0: Welcome, everybody, to the Eric Anders Lang Show. I'm coming at you live from my... It was my office, and then when we moved downtown in L.A., this became sort of a... Um, it's sort of like uh, the barracks for, like, my golf sweaters and golf shirts. Um, but uh, I hope everyone out there is doing well. I really um, I really know that if there's one thing um, on... Earth that's ever—I I don't think there's anything that's ever been on everybody's mind so simultaneously and and with the same sort of cloud of confusion and fear. And I, um, I know I went through it, and I'm kind of on the other side of it now. I was uh, with t- today's Friday. Um, it's been about a week and a half of just complete. You know, I mean, I don't, here, the thing is that we're just holding up mirrors here. You know, we're all feeling the same way. Um, I will say that uh, what, (laughs) I don't know if this is good advice, but what did help actually was I I, uh, stopped kind of uh, just kneeling to the news because I don't have any way of changing any of that. I've already decided that I am fully you know i I'm, I'm shelter in place before this shit is cool in la i am in the house me and snowball he is not he's getting a little more talkative but for the most part he is he's not he's not really the best conversationalist he's looking at me now what are you looking at what are you looking at buddy we uh it's also been raining buckets in la so we go for our walks we make our food um so You know, I just uh, I just definitely have a lot of empathy for everybody out there. I mean, you know, I um, I know that our company is pretty lucky in the sense that we we can all more or less work from home. I kind of worked from home when I was on the road in some sense, you know, like we would be shooting somewhere else. And I would we've already set up kind of a protocol for looking at edits on the computer phone conferences video conferences voice memos whatever it is so you know it it hasn't that hasn't really been the most difficult transition the the most difficult transmission transition is for me of just like not interfacing with people um and so i want to talk about how golf can play a role in that um and uh we're going to get Special guest on the show today, Ali Chisti, who is the brother of uh, Akbar Chisti, the originator of Seamus golf. Ali and I have played a couple rounds of golf together, and he's a doctor who is currently in Hawaii, in uh, Waikiki, uh, and and we were texting a bit last night about his thoughts on you know what's happening. I mean, he's seeing it happen in real time. He's he's I don't know anybody who has it, uh, you know, who has coronavirus, as Trump would say, corona virus i don't know anybody that has it um and i guess if you're listening to this and you do i would like to talk to you so uh, email uh, hello at dot la, and uh you know we'll i'd love to you know continue this discussion of members of the random golf club community that are dealing with this in different ways whether it's friend family member spouse whether you're a doctor like ali we're gonna we're gonna get ali on the phone and we're gonna we're going to talk about, you know, the, the playing of golf, the importance of that, the, uh, the, 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 fact, the, the, the facts and figures on the front lines and, and what it's actually like to be a doctor in this time. Because that's I, I can only imagine how 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 absolutely all encompassing it must be for them because because here I am, it's all encompassing for me and I'm not even really involved in solving the problem. From a one-to-one standpoint, I have really my only way of solving the problem is to just remove myself from society. The way I've been asked, um, which has been hard to be honest with you, but you know I feel like I'm on the other side of it now, and I've and I've accepted my situation. Um, we're going to talk about a couple things today. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna tell you about a a project that we're gonna do, which I'm really proud of. Um, and I'm really excited to share and I think we can actually uh, do what I just said I couldn't do, which was to help. And so we have a we have a, a big project that we're about to launch this morning where we're going to be uh, so to speak getting on the front lines and doing something. So I'll get into that in a second. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna um, launch a little campaign and a lot of people have heard about, uh, no kid hungry and the problem that's occurring with schools being closed a lot of kids uh, rely on lunch at school that's where they get their food um, and you know this is a, this is a big problem that's occurring right now a lot of families don't have the money to be able to feed their children uh, during the day they um, they they are in need of help and random golf club is going to put both feet in and we're going to basically, I guess I was going to talk about it a minute, but I'll talk about it right now. Um, We decided uh, within our company that we, I, I didn't really feel right about just kind of going out there and saying, Oh, we're selling hats. You know, it just seemed like that was selfish. And so I said, let's just consider closing the store. And I don't want people to be compelled to buy things that aren't necessary. Um, Because, I mean, let's be honest, a snowball hat, you don't need it to survive. It's not toilet paper. It's not hand sanitizer. It's not getting food for the elderly. It's not anything. And then we thought, well, you know what? Maybe we could take a large portion of the profit from these things and give it somewhere. And the first thing that came to my mind was no kid hungry and this organization that in the time since we've been having this discussion, which has been about a week, it it took about a week to get in line. Um, in the time since having that discussion, we've seen uh, Ashley Mayo did a thing. She raised a thousand dollars. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a thing and a lot of other people have, uh, Steph Curry did his own kind of version of it. Um, uh, which was really cool. Um, but basically, uh, to give you some facts and figures on the no kid hungry, uh, call to action if you will um the uh the problem is is that <clears throat> 1 in 7 kids will face hunger this year and no kid hungry is ending childhood hunger through effective programs that provide kids with the food they need uh this is a problem we know how to solve no kid hungry is a campaign of share our strength an organization working to end hunger and poverty you can go to nokidhungry.org but what we're what we're launching right now this minute is if you go to randomgolfclub.com slash hungry, there's a landing page there. And basically, what we're going to do is we're going to give 20% of everything that uh, we bring in, and we're going to give it back to No Kid Hungry, and we're going to try to raise $10,000. And that is really kind of exciting, but then when you consider the news I'm about to tell you, it gets really exciting. So we reached out to all of our partners and um, you know people we work with, and we got a wonderful email back from my friend John at Waste Management. And John said, I love it, and not only will we match your $10,000 donation, we'll double it. And it was at that moment where I, I kind of was speechless because it was like <sighs> – you know, it, it is it's an example of the random golf club community. I, on my own, am merely one. But when we add another person or another community or another group, then we don't become two. I guess one times one is still one. But, you know, we multiply somehow. We we, we create a third. We create more. And so um, really, really excited about Waste Management's involvement. You know, they're obviously always involved in bettering the community and this is a perfect example of that. Um, We also, uh, Intersports uh, Media, they do, they represent a lot of golf companies out there, a lot of sports companies. They're also going to come in and match. So, we see a lot of potential here in actually making a dent in this thing from our small kind of grassroots organization. So, please head over to randomgolfclub.com slash no kid hungry, or you can just go to the site, and you can just donate. Straight to No Kid Hungry. Obviously, this is all tax-free stuff. You can you can donate straight to them, or if you buy something on the site, we've got a lot of new hats coming out that I think are actually pretty cool. Uh, you know, then you're also supporting them. So you know, it's a very exciting thing. Um, kids in America have missed over 40 million meals so far as a result of COVID-19. More than 11 million children in the United States live in food insecure homes. Um, and the exciting news is that, uh, $1 creates, um, yeah, so it's a, it's 10 X. So $1 feeds 10 kids. And so we're trying to raise 10,000 on our own. That's a hundred thousand kids. It's a small dent. I just actually looked at the website. It's up to 67 million kids are going to be affected by this. So, um, if we can raise 10,000, then, Waste Manager puts in another 20. Then we're going to get up to hopefully 30, 35, 40. That's, that's half a million almost. Um, so we could make a huge dent in this thing. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm really inspired, and I know what my entire team is. I was talking to Cass last night, and she was saying Cass is Stuart's wife, obviously the the hole-in-one Ace Cam King, um, and she's down in Australia, and and you know she works on a lot of our post-production flow. So <clears throat> we come back, to the office with some video files those get sent off to her and then she manages who's going to edit it we have thomas obviously doing our primary editing and you know creative direction on a lot of these videos and then thomas and i work together on getting the video completed um a lot of notes going back and forth there over the internet um and and cast basically takes the other projects and sends them out make sure that it gets done on time make sure that the notes are filled in you know there's a tremendous amount of standard operating procedures on editing and the coloring, which some of you hate, I don't know why. I mean, I, I think it looks beautiful, but you know, hey, whatever. Comment if you hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. And then, um, so I was talking to Cass yesterday and l- late last night, actually, and she was saying, you know, I've been really stressed, and um, this this project of working on this campaign uh, for No Kid Hungry has really lessened my stress, and it's, and I think it's because I'm now actually moving into helping people and doing something. Um, really beautiful with what we do. So we're very excited about that. Um, so get involved, check it out. Uh, a couple other things. I wanted to uh, recommend a movie to y'all. I don't know when the last time you watched Shawshank Redemption is. Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption is. I Obviously, you know, it's a great movie. Obviously, I know all of you have seen it, but if you, haven't, or haven't seen it in the last, we'll call it, two years, I highly recommend watching it. It is strangely appropriate for our times right now. I would say more so than Contagion. Don't watch Contagion. I watched it. I watched it, and it didn't make me happy. It made me very unhappy. uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption, on the other hand, it's at first you're watching the story about a man who doesn't want and doesn't deserve to go to jail. And I think in some ways, we can all relate right now. We don't want this. We don't, and that's okay. You don't. No, nobody wants it. So we're all struggling with this feeling of I don't want to be here, man. Like I didn't. I didn't sign up for this. You know. In some sense, you were born against your will. You didn't. You didn't raise a flag in the womb as a as a sperm and say, you know what, pick me. I mean, maybe we did. Actually, we don't have any science behind that. Maybe. They- <laughs> Maybe there's a line for yes and no, but you know, we, we, we are now faced with this problem. And the interesting part about it is you're watching him descend into this prison and just sort of deal, just sort of deal with it. And, you know, he's relatively closed off and he spends two years just sort of dealing with the difficulty of it all. And then he accepts his circumstances and he begins to thrive. He uses his skills that he has from the outside world and uses it to help everybody in the prison. And what's kind of incredible about that is it's kind of like... i, I It's been a while since I've read it, but Viktor Frankl wrote a book um, about sort of self-imprisonment. And he was obviously... Um, in a very different type of prison uh, during the Holocaust. And he uh, wrote about finding freedom within extraordinary circumstances. And in some sense, Shawshank really gave me that feeling. And it's a very inspiring film. If you haven't seen it as dark as it may sound, actually, I was talking to someone else who said, isn't that a horror movie? I was like, no, it's not a horror movie. It's like, it's like Roger Deakins, the, the man behind the camera, the cinematographer. And, Stephen King really wrote this incredible, um, incredible story. So, definitely check out Shawshank Redemption. That's a that's a that's a solid choice over Contagion. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just we gotta we gotta I think watch things that inspire us. I also watched the Eames documentary, The Architect and the Painter. Um, that's an inspiring film. I watched that actually two weeks ago sort of before all this was going down. But that did sort of fuel my fire for creating. um, And uh, that's also a solid recommendation. Um, As well, if you haven't seen Hands on a Hard Body, I was talking with someone the other day about that film. Um, It's a documentary, I think it takes place in Texas, about a car giveaway. And um, this sort of absurd competition that takes place where you have to keep your hand on the car And the person that has their hand on the car the longest gets to win the car. So it's like 20 people all with gloves on. And over the course of several days, people just mindlessly take their hand off the car and then they're out. And they just forgot that their whole job is to keep the hand on the car. It's kind of a mind over matter thing. That's a really entertaining film, uh, Hands on a Hard Body. Um. So let's see if I can get uh, Ali on the phone and we can get into this discussion about um, the medicine, the field of medicine right now, the current state of Hawaii. And we'll talk about some golf. So let's see if I can get him on the phone. Speaker. Ali, what's up, man? It's Eric.
1: Hey, good, good to hear your voice for a long time.
0: Yeah, you too, man. It's been ages. Uh, how are you doing? Is it a good time to talk right now?
1: Yeah, perfect. Just uh, a little coffee, going through some statistics and articles. <laughs> the
0: it's, usual morning. it's early over there in Hawaii right now. It's it's nine fifteen in the morning.
1: Yeah, and uh, I just checked the weather report. It was raining, so I gotta. Can't can't really play golf. I think it's pretty
0: hard, unfortunately. So you're you're um you're a doctor. You're on the front lines of this, and it's good to hear you talking about playing golf. Um, you and I were texting a little bit yesterday about this, and I thought you know we I, we both thought that this would be good to have a discussion publicly about. Um, what's yeah. your what's your um what what I think first start off with you know tell me a little bit about yourself and your experience and you sent your resume, but I, uh, it's too, it's too impressive to read. So I just need you to tell me a little bit about kind of, you know, let the listeners know kind of who Ollie is. I mean, probably my claim to fame is, uh, my
1: brother. He's way cooler than I am with (laughs) Seamus golf. Um, but he started Seamus golf 2009, 2008, which was actually the same year I started medical school in Oregon. Uh, so, uh, we both were, you know, grew up going to Bandon in the summers, caddying, you know, hustling every different job there, driving shuttle since I was 15. Uh, but I think the uh, disparities in rural Oregon for healthcare kind of drove me into medicine after seeing what was going on on the coast of Oregon with, you know, how little access they had to different. Uh, advanced therapies or people with huge hospital systems like the metropolis of Portland, where we grew up. So yeah, that's kind of the beginning. Went to med school in p- Portland, saw saw more of it when I went back to Bannon as a med student. So I went and got my public health degree from Harvard to kind of help me understand how to help the system of healthcare access it better and get better outcomes. And I was looking at statistics on. Um, who needed the most help in the United States and Hawaii kind of popped up, which was like a double bonus because, you know, golf and the weather is amazing. So we go, okay, I could probably stay sane in an amazing environment and be part of a university healthcare system out here. And it's like a 2,000-mile radius of patients that come here and, yeah, I've kind of stayed on as a faculty member or as a hospitalist. Wait, so
0: so you didn't choose Hawaii because of the beaches and the golf? You chose it because there's actually currently a a problem there with healthcare that you went there to solve.
1: That's 100%. Yeah, so um, I knew that I wanted to be obviously in like a nice location for residency, but um, you know, I was sitting in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts when I was. Making my rain quest and trying to figure out where to go um, around all these people who are really kind of ramped up to dedicate their lives to help people in the Harvard School of Public Health. So Hawaii, um, I mean, not a lot of people know much about the situation here. You know, it's 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 just like a you know, President Obama went to this great Puna Hole. Which was a lot of like really nice educational establishments, but the demand is way higher than what they could produce. So there's a huge shortage. I mean, 800, 900 doctor shortage right now. Um, a lot of temporary staff, they fly in, give them like a Mustang in a hotel room and pay for
0: it all. And Then they, they're my colleagues who I work with. <laughs> That's incredible. You get a Mustang as well. Um, what? what uh, even, I'm, then, even then, they
1: you know, they turn over because it's, it's demanding. You know, people, people show up with a lot of ailments from, you know, Chuuk or uh, Sam- Samoa, um, everybody flies over here to get their healthcare care the oh. Wall, neighbor islands. You know, just because Maui's you know a hundred miles away, it's a huge barrier with the ocean in between. So, with with a helicopter, everybody over because um, we can't have every resource on every island. You know, so I mean, obviously Maui is self-sustaining for, for a lot of things, but. You know
0: the idea. is that It's an interesting dynamic to practice. Yeah. So you're in Waikiki. Um, I I guess before I'm in
1: the ocean right now actually. <laughs>
0: I'm looking at um, a, a, some dirty clothes. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm curious to know. So your weekly routine now is you're in the hospital, and when. Did it change right? Because I'm assuming what well, am I correct in assuming that two weeks ago it was kind of normal and now it's not?
1: So it's so interesting to me because, um, that's what's in the news, that's what people are talking about. But for me, things changed in early January when I was reading reports of the physician in Wuhan, uh, reading his scripts, reading about his death. Um, so in early January and January, late January, we're all kind of like. Trying um, to figure out what's going on over there. Uh, people were discussing what the disease was, and then in about middle of February, so that's well, it's almost like three, three, four weeks ago, right before we became big in the news. Um, articles were being published in the medical literature about like what to look for, like what, what, what you know to identify this disease. But we, at, <laughs> at that point, we wish we had the test. Uh, we would not started testing. We test for things all the time that are even more contagious um uh but yeah so then it kind of blew up and then the real problem is that we're waiting for testing to be available locally because the department of health avenue through the cdc was kind of a finite resource so you really had to um Put yourself out there and really be confident that the person has the disease in order to order, and set off this chain link reaction of people coming in and have tests from the state department and all this stuff just for that one patient. If you're clinically, there's no test that I ever order that ever creates that much drama, and so it's a scary thing to order. But then on Friday of last week, so literally six days ago, it was released that the local lab can run it, so you can do a non Department of Health just order the test, and it's a you know gene uh, PCR. So you could then get the results within like a day. So I ordered. So that's when it really started ramping up the testing. But even that, it's a finite resource. And, uh,
0: Have you administered the test personally? Yeah. What can yeah. you? I've I've heard it described anecdotally. Can you explain not only what is it like physically, but you know a lot of your job, and you know my mother's a doctor, and I. And i and I really I think it's sweet that you you know call your brother the kind of you know you call him out, but in my opinion, uh there's really no higher profession than being a medical doctor. You're the last line of defense in the simplest thing that we enjoy uh life and you know i I've, I've I have a tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for anyone who's devoted you know, 8, 10, 12 years to just getting certified. So can you just talk about the emotional component of giving someone the test as well as, well as what it's actually like?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really kind of you to say that. I think, um, I, mean, rather, I mean, I I don't want to get the, all the spotlight, but the test. <clears throat> so it was interesting to me because um, – Even within the physician community, there's, like, varying perspectives as of last week on uh, people's understanding of the test, who to order the test on. Um, And so when I um, picked up, you know, patients on Friday um, who had features of their ailments that were consistent with the COVID cases that we were seeing around the world, uh, and I ordered it. Um, You know, it it was a huge deal. I I got called to the medical director's office um, on like this uh, command center in a different building. Like immediately to confirm that I thought so, because you know, you know, I was the first person in the hospital to order it from somebody who's already admitted. Because oftentimes you'll come into the ER and then they put the hazmat on and stuff like that. But even that was like just kind of starting that day. Um, we had a few other cases earlier in the last few weeks in Hawaii, but, um, on that day on Friday, you know, that's when it got released. So then I was getting questioned by people, people were getting really like my, some colleagues were getting really pedantic about the, um, how good the test is and this and that. And well, maybe you shouldn't be ordering it because you don't have a high, quote, prevalence, which means no number of people who have the disease. So therefore the test may not be as good. And so I got all confused because I was pretty confident about ordering it, and then all of a sudden now, like, well, man, am I like wasting resources here? Like, what's going on here? It's like confusing. Some people say supporting me, some people are questioning my clinical judgment. So then they're like, you know, these are already at baseline twelve-hour days in the hospital at the hospitalist. So like, that's a normal workflow: seven days and twelve-hour shifts, and like. You know, and I'm, and I'm working in Hawaii in an area where there's low primary care coverage. It's already like a demanding situation. And we have this on top. So then, you know, after 14 hours that day, I was at home like 10 p.m., uh, talking with infectious disease specialists around the state, buddies of mine, kind of going through the data. We had like blogs online talking about it. And it was like, no, the testing was really good. And they're confirming with me. And I already knew that PCR is like 99% sensitive as long as you get a good sample. So it's like a nose swab. And so, um, the frustration built up with the following day when, you know, I was trying to figure out where my results were because I know that that test is a is it takes forty minutes to run and the uh, machines that are already there, and the, and and the system was all bogged down because you know, these like outpatient testing ordered and and then they didn't know how to prioritize them and so we had but it was really cool to see everyone kind of work together. I mean, we had like um, um, it was a you know it's a pandemic so nobody's really prepared for it but when the physicians work together and they prioritize it was like nice to see. I mean, I think healthcare has kind of moved away from physicians running it. Maybe your mom would know more about this, but like from what I've seen here in the 90s, you know, the role of running healthcare systems is removed from physicians and more like administration. And it's been frustrating sometimes like on a national level, you know, where physicians think they need something and then like someone else says, oh, that's not how the budget works, you know. <laughs> so that's a whole other
0: conversation. Yeah, that does sound, I mean, it's, it's an immense problem to solve, and again, I do appreciate, you know, 12, 14 hour days in essentially a relatively dangerous situation. How many mm-hmm. how many people have you seen that have it? Are you are you interacting with people yeah. on a daily basis?
1: So, that's the problem, is we don't have enough tests to even know who has it, so it's actually a situation of fear. Uh, my last day working on Tuesday, that was seven days in a row, and then now I'm uh, I was supposed to go to Europe, I cancel the trip. So i want this like backup uh, call system because we're losing doctors due to quarantine. So, like, let's say you—I mean—the issue is that the data from South Korea showed that younger people can be carrying the disease without having as severe symptoms as older people that they're transmitting it to, who are then dying of it, or even young people who are dying of it with <clears throat> comorbidities. So, if I have a—if if I have a colleague with a fever and a cough, um, but you know we don't even have we're not able to have enough resources to test them <laughs> we and we just send them home we, we, now we have testing for healthcare professionals and we have an algorithm to expedite theirs but you know i was you know looking at the emergency room track board where you can see everybody's coming in some you know friday saturday morning like 40 people in their 30s with like cough and fever and you know we didn't have enough tests to even test them we sent and send them home unless they were like really sick and come in um so we're really trying to get a sense of how many people, we don't know how many people have this disease. Reportedly, only 18 in the state of Hawaii, but we just kind of ramped up this testing last week, so it's um, maybe Hawaii is a special place where there will be less, but we are really far behind on the testing, and we're already a strained healthcare system. So it'll be, And then everyone's just flying over here like, no big deal, because <laughs> so that's going to be another problem we're dealing with. You know, we're talking with the governor later today, interviews with the news where everyone's kind of coming together and there is some hope i'm not trying to say it's hopeless i think we're the the social distancing um people being aware that's going to really nip us in the pub the quickest
0: yeah you know you you just said something that was i i had the thought actually where i said the other day you know i've been taking this pretty seriously for the last eight days so uh, once monday last monday night um we were in the middle of kind of the height of you know the the planning phase of the next couple months of our work life and i basically had my mouse um on the computer hovering over the purchase button on six tickets to buenos aires um and i got a text that said uh, businessmen being quarantined at the border uh, and I and I read it, and I said, well, that's weird, like, well, this is not that big of a deal, you know, I I I didn't know, right, it was really it hit me that night when I thought, hey, so I could go to Buenos Aires, and then not be allowed back in the country, you know, and the question of whether or not I got it, the phrase social distancing did not exist uh, yet for me, and basically I said it's too big of a risk, I'm not going to go and potentially not be allowed back into my country based on some other government or my own government that says we don't know where you just were. So I canceled it and then, um, just out of precaution and, you know, really our, our, it doesn't affect our work that much to work from home. The, the four of us who are in the office every day, Evan Thomas and Emerson, we, I just said, let's all work from home for a couple days and see how that goes. And then, you know, this all unfolded, but you know, I've been taking it very, very seriously. And, um, you know the 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 funny thought I had the other day was like two days ago I said yeah man I should just go to Hawaii man this is crazy you know I don't want to be in L A this place is nuts yeah. there's a lot of people who aren't paying <laughs> yeah. attention um, yeah. you know and then I thought wait a minute maybe going to Hawaii is a terrible idea then you're kind of on an island and there's nowhere to go you can't and then you have to it's, get on a plane and and it's really frustrating <laughs> the crazy news that I heard yesterday was was. Hawaii, a, a, a state that is, well, I don't know the percentage, but a, a, a large majority of the income is derived from tourism. The Hawaii said, don't come here. They said, don't come here. Yeah. Don't, do not, do not come to visit Hawaii right now. And I thought that was shocking. So what, Yeah. before we get into, you know, what we really want to get to in this conversation is, is your thoughts as a medical professional on golf. And, and I want to get into that, but, but what, What is the state response? I mean, you know, you're I mean, were you surprised to hear that? Uh, It's so
1: interesting. I'm so glad. I'm so glad and thankful you heard that. (laughs) So, Because sometimes I wonder if the news here really makes it to the national attention. And so I think that we should have said that last week. And I don't think it should have been a suggestion. It should have been a mandate. Um, this is a crisis over here because we really, it's not a crisis no yet where we're like running out of ventilators, but we are like doing modeling to figure out how many we have. You know, we are up late last night as a huge group trying to figure out how to move patients out of rehab homes and make room. Cause you know, I'm sure you're seeing the numbers from New York this morning. I mean, I checked it this morning, 120 deaths, then a couple hours later, 140 deaths, uh, just in New York. My friends are posting from Columbia that they're running out of masks you know, internal medicine hospital doctors posting, we need more masks, we're out of masks. Like, we haven't hit that yet. We're, 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 we're running low and we've being conscientious when we have a call later today with um, some donors to try and work with the Department of Health to get access to more masks when we do project to run out in a couple of weeks if the trend goes like others. So it's like, that's one dilemma that we're dealing with, that we are luckily behind the rest of the United States, but we are almost like, you know, some of the doctors are like, why is it that You know, I mean, it it really does suck that a majority of this state is built on tourism. And that's um, unfortunate in this situation because, you know, people are leaving these other countries. The first case, like a month ago or whatever it was, people forgot about the guy who came over from Japan to Kauai and then was hanging out at the Honolulu Airport, hanging out in our for four days. And he had coronavirus-19, and he left. And then, like, you know everyone forgot that we already had it a long time ago but then we weren't testing because we haven't had a person-to-person transmission so they're waiting on that you know quote confirmed case in order to ramp up the testing to know what our numbers are and the problem is that the person-to-person testing you didn't qualify if it's if you for within 14 days were in another place that had it and that's like a general recommendation from like a while ago that, oh, that's likely the timeline. But you could get it like three days prior and then have a fever. So let's say you're on day seven here and you got a fever. You got, you might've gotten three days prior. There's a nurse who was here for two weeks from Oregon. She, on other 14th day she flew back. That's when she was really ill. And then she got uh, t- tested with the coronavirus in Oregon. We didn't qualify that as person to person. So then therefore we didn't activate more tests. We were all calling everybody travelers coming in, which was a low number. So we have no idea where we're at, yet. Yeah. You know, the issue is that we have all hotels slashing prices, hotel industry slashing prices because they need to stay afloat. So people are seeing these crazy deals, and they're like, "Oh wow, that's awesome!" So full flights are coming over to Hawaii even up till yesterday and the day before, just full of people. You know, not worrying about it. I was watching a luau on top of the Hilton last night from my, from my my I thirtieth floor right here in Waikiki kind of overlooking the ocean, so come kind of down and see the different rooftop decks and like hundreds of people just sitting there on their luau last night like all crammed in together that's cr- <laughs>
0: that's, that's so, so crazy, crazy. that
1: that's, and then you look around the rest of the country and it's like okay so we're going to totally screw it up for the rest of them if we're not taking this seriously because that does not flatten the curve at all
0: no no and especially on a you know you're <laughs> on a you're on the most isolated island chain on planet earth that's i was surprised to learn yeah. that about hawaii that's that's got to be a, yeah. a scary feeling i i i Let's get into, you know, with all of these stressors, right? You, you clearly spend your time on the clock, literally in the, in the middle of it all, in a hospital, a place that, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm not comfortable in. Um, I've had a lot of bad hospital memories and experiences with the exception of a couple nieces and nephews being born, really. Um, those were obviously wonderful. But, um, you know, you, you then leave work and it's still on your mind as you're calling your colleagues and friends from across the world, trying to learn more about it. But you get some respite on the golf course. You play at uh, Midpac. Yep.
1: Yeah. Mid Pacific Country Club.
0: And that's a that's a Rainer, is that right? It's a.
1: Yeah, it's an old Rainer from the 1920s.
0: Well, you know, obviously the tone of this conversation is relatively dire, and I don't want to go into a. A golf yeah. architecture yeah. discussion, yeah. but it's a beautiful course that I have yet to play. Is it in Lanakai? Is that where it is?
1: Yeah, so and it's really important to talk about that because I think um like I mean golf in general. Um it's in Lanakai it's like a thirty minute drive. I'm gonna try to get out there maybe after this call just I'm looking at some paperwork right now. But, um I, I, I didn't tell you I'm starting a job at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City this summer we're moving to New York. But, um,
0: That's where my nephew was yeah, born.
1: Cool. <laughs> cool. On <laughs> yeah, the Upper East Side. side. <laughs> so I this they've for my onboarding process. But I might go to the golf course today because I think, you know, everyone is freaking out. There's a lot on the news. There's people actually working on this very hard. And then um, there's uh, those who are trying to figure out what to do with social distancing. And golf is like the perfect example of social distancing. And... It's a common environment. Um, for me, it's so nice to be able to go out and walk. when you know, you're, you're a huge proponent of enjoying the walk. And we've we, this is almost a, a conversation that we would have had on a nine hole uh, go, go, golfing. Six feet away is usually where you are. I mean, you don't want to get up and swing. Exactly. So,
0: exactly. Uh,
1: you don't have to touch anyone. You don't even have to pull the flag out anymore. Right. So, you know, because plastic is a, you know, could harbor the disease. They say so um, it's so yeah, it's it's really really something that'll be good, you know, as a meditative thing too the 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 community of headspace uh, released all healthcare professionals free access for a year um you know they're really trying to encourage people to think about their own mental health because it uh, because you need this is not um uh, just a little sprint, this could be a marathon and uh are never gonna stay healthy and stay stay balanced and golf is like a such an easy way to do a meditative thing without even trying. You know, it's, sometimes it's hard for you to sit up and not cram and meditate for ten minutes. But on a golf course, it's really hard to think about anything else when you're when, when, when you're talking about your swing and reading the green, and it's just like a way to channel your energy into one thing and forget about the monkey thoughts, or have a nice conversation with somebody that you wouldn't you normally know, you have if you're staring at your screen and your phone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, um speaking of mental health, I I went through a period in last week of uh, I had all my tweet notifications on from CNN and LA Times and whoever else. And then I just kind of broke and I had to just I I basically turned all the notifications off and I kind of let go of the sort of bad news cycle. Um I I'm, I'm curious to know, so from a medical perspective, golf, playing golf is totally safe.
1: Yeah. I think the way you do it though matters. So I feel really badly for the community of Hawaii because they shut down the um, county golf courses because they didn't have the capacity to check people in and have government workers be there, confined in the pro shop, people coming in and still maintaining social distancing. So that really sucks. They shut down the golf courses for for the for people who can't afford to be a private club membership. So I'm in this crazy fortunate situation where I can just literally walk up wave at the dude in the shop and go on the first tee, that harbors zero risk. I mean, not zero, but like much less risk than most activities like going to the store or something like that. I know that golf courses around the country are working on ways to do it: social distancing measures of checking in, and that's awesome. And so I hope, and so with that, you know, you have to be conscientious of not touching, like you don't have to sign the bill air just carry your own pen in your pocket like all day long you know everywhere you go every hands you the pen gives the pen back like don't don't do that use apple pay um <laughs> like don't rest your hands like when you're opening doors like you know trying not to use your hands i mean um expose and then touch your face like those are problems that can be problematic but if you've been con- conscientious of those things you know then it's really good to get out
0: that's that's good to hear. You know, I um I played golf on Sunday and I played at uh Wilson the public course in LA and um we joined up with two older gentlemen and um they uh I they were Korean and I and when we joined them I said, "Hi, nice to meet you." And then they <laughs> they walked over with a hand and I said, "Yeah, no, I, no, 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 no." I literally <laughs> yeah. said, "Are you crazy?" Like, what? What have you missed about like, I don't, and, and I actually felt kind of bad because I thought maybe they, I I don't know. I mean, there's a language barrier there. There's the, the, the biggest golf community in Los Angeles is the Korean community. And Mm -hmm. I, they're so wonderful to play with because they're, they're quick, they're good. And you know, they're, they're, they're positive and they always say nice shot and stuff like that. But, yeah, the idea that they wanted to shake my hand was kind of shocking on Sunday, no less. Yeah. It wasn't. This yeah. is after the players got canceled, after you know everything. So, yeah, matches is over. Yeah, exactly. So I was, you know, it was a bit strange to play golf, and actually, it was a slow round. We we left after nine because it was two hours and something like thirty five minutes for nine holes. And I just said, you know, I'm. I think I got in my golf. Nine holes is good, mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, I mean, even I've seen people kind of raising the cup so that you don't need to dig into the hole to get it. Um, oh, awesome. you know, I think, yeah, I mean, it's good to hear that, you know, you support it. It's good to hear that you're there, um, you know, doing your best to manage things and, you know, let's, let's definitely, uh, stay in touch over this because I, I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm sort of trying to move away from the news a little bit, and, and it's good to connect with you and talk about that. How are you How are you staying in touch with your – do you live with your girlfriend now or your, your fiancé?
1: Yeah, yeah, and now we're engaged, and she's working from home. She started working from home, like, self-isolating, like, last Friday because she knew I was in the hospital so much. But on that note of staying home, a lot of us, you know, I think people like yourself were creative and making cool content. Like, this is probably when we need you most. Everyone cooped up, not sure what to do. Like anything that comes out new from you guys is cool and funny, or even short bits. Like adapting to the situation, like Colbert doing his interviews from his backyard or his bathtub. You know that really provides a lot of laughs and insight and uh, connectedness that we're not alone in this. So, um, you know, I'm really appreciative for you guys still working on content and stuff like that because you know, that makes the world happy. And mental health is important with
0: physical health. That's good to I mean, hear, I, mean, I get on a
1: plane and I, I get on the plane and I see golf adventures and golf, and I really lets us me tune out. I mean, this is before actually. I mean, now now I can watch it on YouTube, but like, you know, in, in all different avenues, like people do need non non COVID content in their brain.
0: Well, I apologize for titling this podcast coronavirus check in, but I, I do feel like it's a subject that we, I, I don't have any jokes about it or anything like that, but I do think it's, it's good to have your expert opinion and it's good to have some real time, you know, uh, face to the face to the, to the fight, you know, so we, we all really appreciate it. And, um, thanks for your time, man.
1: No, uh, thank you, Eric. I hope we get to golf soon.
0: I love it. Last time was Portland Golf Club. Maybe, maybe we'll be back oh, there soon. Yeah. I remember that round. That oh, was yeah. a was a fun round.
1: Yeah. And then remember the Mammoth Dues uh, the, before they open.
0: Yes, that's that right. We in. that was like an early RGC. We played as a twelve some with two dogs at Mammoth yeah. with David mm-hmm. McClay kid. That was a special round. That was really cool. Yeah,
1: hope we'll get some more of those. <laughs> All,
0: All right. right, man. Well, right, well thanks again, Ollie. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, well, uh, I think that's it uh, for me today. We, um, we've we got a lot to do, folks, and we've got a lot to not do. So I hope you're all doing your part here and really realizing how serious this is. And unfortunately, you know, the, the brunt of it all comes down to just kind of chilling out. Um, I would love to, um, you know, use this time to talk with you guys. So please, if you have any stories that are relevant, um, send them over to Hello at landcreative.la. Uh the link is also in my Instagram bio. There's a little button there that says email and that will take you there. And um we'll be checking those and kind of again would love to hear any firsthand thoughts, you know, um uh, experiences, whatever it is. Um we're gonna do some more projects beyond just the no kid hungry campaign, which is going to be great. And again, we've got a lot of cool merch coming out in the next few weeks with towels, patches, some new hats, a lot of restocks. Um, and, um, you know, we'll be working on other things, you know, we'll be doing some more podcasts with tour players that are at home, some video chats. Hopefully we will be, um, maybe trying to organize a digital random golf club around the world, Um, event so people can kind of play golf together or separately. Um, It'll be interesting. I'm kind of really curious to see how that goes. I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, golf really does is bring people together and that's kind of the point of random golf club. So I do hope that even in these times of uncertainty that we can still use the game for that. And obviously, you know, I want to, I want to get matching on one of these pods because he's still doing his thing down there in winter park. And um, you know, I hope you guys are all doing your thing to, you know, Stay positive, and um, definitely, um, definitely check out Shawshank Redemption. It's, it's no joke. It's a banger. It's a banger of a film. Um, I will not see you guys in the showers because that is not a safe place to uh, coordinate right now. <laughs> but um, oh, here we go. I just got an email. Um, um, oh, I was I was hoping to get uh, Kristen from No Kid Hungry on the phone. Uh, for a little interview, and she just replied and said, "Any chance there's a free time for tomorrow?" So um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, loop back in on the next pod, and we'll hopefully get Kristen from No Kid Hungry on here to explain, you know, a little bit more about their mission and and you know, really fill you in on what they're doing and how cool it is uh, and how important it is and how really they need our help. So thank you for listening, thank you for supporting everything we do, and thank you waste management for really coming in with a big gun um that's uh th- i was so proud of my you know relationship with them that's now spanned four years uh we started out with them um over there at waste management phoenix open and it's just grown every year we did some tv commercials um i got to play in the pro-am I mean, it's been a wild excuse me it's been a wild experience to work with them and to really meet the team over there of wonderful people jim fish the ceo we played golf um i lost in him lost to him in a match uh john morris the COO, great guy um had dinner at his house what, what a really wonderful family uh that they've created over there and i just feel so excited for that week every year um to take place because it's just such a wild and unusual tournament with such a totally good group of people that set it up and um i feel really lucky to have had a few years to um, spend time with them and get to know them and i feel even more lucky that uh that we're able to kind of bring them into this mission of ours and for them to see it as relevant and valuable and important was just you know what a, a really incredible feeling so um If you have the time, if you have the, if you have the funds, you know, go through, check it out. If not, obviously this is not a, this is not a telethon. This is merely something that we're doing and we'd like to invite you and include you in that as well. Uh, so thank you again for your time and, and, and we can video chat from the showers, whatever you, whatever was going to work, but hit me up. Hello at landcreative.la, please. I'd love to hear from you. And, um, Let's um let's just keep on keeping on. Keep on trucking. I wish I had a Grateful Dead song. You know, I'm gonna play that. Hang on. Yeah, so I don't know if you know, I was a big uh Grateful Dead fan, huge back in the day, and uh I'm gonna play one of my one of my favorite songs here. This is a this is a good song. I don't know if I can play the whole thing. It's five minutes, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Work. It's good. Arrows of the Uniflection Marquis out on Main Street, Chicago, New York, Detroit, and its own the same street. The typical city involved in a typical daydream. Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. Dallas got
1: a soft machine.
0: To. Too close to New Orleans,
1: New York. Got the ways of me. Just
0: won't let you be. I mean, just who doesn't love the Grateful Dead? Everybody, send me some music. Hello, Elaine Creative. <laughs> send me music, send me books, send me movies, whatever inspires you. Let's stay in touch and let's use this time for productivity. I'm curious to know how we're all doing out there. And again, I've always complained that the podcast is a one-way street. Let's change that. We are in the middle of working on a new website, so hopefully that uh, allows the podcast to be a bit more of a two-way street, along with a lot of other really great things that are in the works here at Random Golf Club. So we are, you know, using this time to focus on those longer-term projects. Um, You know, our trip to Buenos Aires is obviously postponed. I mean, we had, we had like a fucking five month trip planned. It was, it was like, it was five months with every three and a half weeks I would get five days at home. And that was now until the Ryder Cup. And that is pretty much 100% on hold as it would be. So, you know, I mean, that was tough to stomach, but now it's like the great news is time to focus on the, the foundations of Random Golf Club and what it means and what it's going to do and how you can get involved and I'm going to let that news come out another day because I don't have any news right now I know what I want it to be and we're going to see how that works out but in the meantime uh stay strong stay real and uh don't touch the pin folks all right have a good week